thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Where does it all gone wrong? Or where has it all gone wrong? You know, maybe you've come this morning joyful, ready to really be uplifted. Maybe you've come this morning ready to praise, ready to really sing that praise. But actually... There may be people here this morning who are saying, actually, it's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. When does it seem maybe that God does nothing? Have you ever felt like that? Yeah? We've all felt like that, that God sometimes, where is God? You're not on your own. David in the Psalms regularly said, God, where are you? Job wasn't sure. You're not on your own. Or maybe put it a better way. Things haven't gone the way you planned them. Maybe that's how it is. Things haven't gone the way you expect them. And that's often quite the problem, isn't it? And in our River and Road series today, we're going to look at a road that leads away and a road that leads back. A wilderness road, a place where it wasn't easy. And we're going to look at a little glimpse of Elijah the prophet. You may know the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, where he fought, well he didn't fight single-handed to begin with, but he called God to act and 450 prophets of the false God were sort of seen to be false and Elijah prayed and God acted and he was at a time, a prophet at a time when Israel had pretty much abandoned gods. Israel had pretty much abandoned the God they were supposed to serve in favour of gods of fertility or gods of sex or gods of drunkenness and debauchery. And Elijah has this massive showdown where God shows up and the prophets of Baal are defeated and scattered. And in that moment, if you were Elijah, what would you expect? The false prophets have been defeated. This God has been shown, this Baal that they worshipped has been shown to be nothing. You would expect all of a sudden the king and queen to go, Oh, what have we been doing? This God is real. We need to follow God. That's what you would expect, isn't it? That's what Elijah expected. However, after that huge moment of triumph, what happens next isn't what Elijah expects. What happens next isn't what he planned. What happens next totally leaves him feeling that it's all gone wrong. And what happens next is this. 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 1. Ahab was the king at this point. Jezebel, you may have heard the name Jezebel, was the queen. She was a particularly evil and wicked woman. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, Elijah. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. 
When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He's running for his life from somebody who says, I'm going to kill you. And he says, God, I want to die. Well, there's a simple solution to that one, isn't there? Just go back to Jezebel. She'll do it for you. Easy, easy solution. But he says this, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. It's all gone wrong. Have you ever said, even maybe right now, I have had enough? Maybe even today you're thinking, I've had enough of that big orange ball in the sky. Or then when it rains, you'll be going, I wish it was sunny. You know, sometimes we're a bit irrational, aren't we? When we're in that moment of fear, and when we're thinking, I've had enough, or it's all gone wrong, our brains don't always work correctly. As I say, Elijah wishes he was dead, says, God, kill me now, when actually he's on the run from somebody who wants to kill him now. Does anyone else not find that funny? I think that's a bit funny. I think, you know, it's irrational, isn't it? He's not thinking straight. He's on the run, afraid for his life, because somebody wants to kill him. Do you know, when we become emotionally, physically, and spiritually fed up, when we become to a point where we've had enough emotionally, physically, and spiritually, we start to say and do irrational and illogical things, just like Elijah. There's a verse in James, I'm going to get that out of my way, it's going to annoy me. There's a verse in James 5.17 that says this, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He wasn't just this prophet of God that saw amazing things, saw 20 miracles before breakfast. He was a man who at times says, I've had enough. He was a man who said, I've had enough. So if you ever think as a Christian or as a person this morning that God will judge you because you said, I've had enough. No, he won't. He wants you to bring it to him. He wants you to cast your cares on him. That's what he's there for. He's there in the good and in the bad. Robert and Maria made promises last week about being better for worse, richer for poorer. Well, you know, God is there through every season. He's there all the time in everything. And if you're feeling like you've had enough, tell him. And then listen or watch. Speak to him. Don't stop talking to him. Elijah was a human being just as we are. He was just like us. There were moments where Elijah said, I have had enough. Did you come for a really uplifting sermon this morning? <laughs> yeah, not many jokes in this one today, I don't think. I have had enough. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. So what does Elijah do? He ran and he went somewhere on his own. Is that a good thing to do? When we've had enough to run away and to be on our own, to be isolated, to stop being in a place where we're perhaps going to get good counsel? No. Well, that's what Elijah does. But notice something. Notice, as we read on in this story, what God deals with first. Verse 5. Then Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. 
Notice what God deals with first. Yeah? Do you notice what God deals with first? The first two things God deals with. Elijah has had enough. He's depressed. He feels like everything's gone wrong. He's on the run. He's in fear of his life. And what does God do first? Have a nap. Have a nap. I think that's really good. So on, a, on an afternoon, who, who's getting to that age now where in the afternoon a nap's quite a good thing? Faye, you're not that age yet. No, you're not that age yet. Pity help you. Yeah? We get to an age where a nap is a good thing. What does Elijah say to God? No, Elijah, get back. No, he doesn't. He says, have a sleep. Have a sleep. Have a nap. What does he do after that? Eat. Hey, this is great this morning. What does God say to you in church this morning? Sleep and eat. Hey, some people are thinking I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> Nothing much else. And actually, it doesn't get me anywhere. But there's times where we need to deal with those things. We need to sleep. We need to eat. We need to feed ourselves physically and emotionally. Have a nap and eat. Then have another nap and eat. That's God's advice in that moment. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging that God doesn't say, get back to it? No, he says, rest, rest, sleep, feed yourself. There isn't some amazing spiritual moment other than the provision of the food. There isn't some word from God saying, Elijah, I am your father. No, that's Darth Vader. Um, Elijah, this is my promise. There is not this. It's just sleep and eat. Sleep and eat. That is the God that I love. Yeah? No one else say amen to that. I, I would. That is the God that I love. Sleep and eat. But that's not all he does forever, just so I don't get too excited. The God says, sleep and get some food in you. Why? What's God's first priority when we're feeling like we've had enough? His first priority is to deal with the physical. To deal with the physical issue. The need to refuel, the need to re be still, to stop, to rest, to replenish, to recharge. That's God's first priority, the physical and the emotional. Why? Because he cares about us. So it's firstly to provide for the physical, and secondly, it's to provide for what you're going to need next. Because God knows what's next. So the sleeping and the eating, the sleeping and the eating is ready for what comes next. Because Elijah isn't finished. He might feel like he's finished. He might feel like he's had enough, but God says, no, I've not finished. If you're not okay, it's not the end. And it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to say, I've had enough. But tell it to the right person. Don't just spend time moaning about it. Take it to God. Because he cares about us. Yes, Elijah needed a rest and some eating. But then what happens next is this. So he got up, ate and drank. Verse 8. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave. I'll come back to that. And spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? First of all, the number 40 is a significant number. Where have you heard the number 40 in the Bible before? Somebody shout it clearly. 
Exodus. What about the Exodus? 40 years in the desert, wandering around. What else have you heard? 40. Ray, they're all, it's like Sunday school. Put your hands up. No. 40 days and nights, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Any others? Thank you. Noah's Ark. I gave you a bit of a clue there, didn't I? I wasn't just dancing. Okay. 40 days and nights of the rain that came down. 40 was significant. Why? Because it was linked to times of testing. And it was linked to times where we need to be humble. Because God wants us to be humble. Not to be arrogant. Not to be all about us, but to be humble. 40 was linked to that. So Elijah was fed up and then God fed him up ready. He was fed up. So God fed him up, ready for what comes next. Because what comes next is a time of testing. You think, oh, my days, he's had enough. God's got to make it easy for him. No, he's not. But he's given him time out. He's given him time out to be prepared, to be ready. Do you know, when you've had enough, God says, come to me, rest, I care for you. Come to me and be filled, I care for you. Come to me and be fed, I care for you. But he says, but then I want you to get up again and go. Because it's in my strength, not yours. That's what God says. It's not in your power, it's in mine. You need to learn to trust me. You need to learn to rest on me. So when you say, I've had enough, sleep, eat, rest. God wants to meet your physical and your emotional needs this morning. Not just your spiritual. And actually in this situation, he deals with the physical first. He deals with the emotional first. Look at Naaman the other week. The deal with Naaman was his leprosy. God dealt with that first. He dealt with the physical first. That's where God comes first. He says, I want to deal with the physical, what you need. Not what you want, not what you expect, but what you need. So Elijah sets off on the wilderness road and he heads back to where everything started. Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Now if I said to you, Mount Horeb you might be able to tell me something about it. But I've just shown you that when you all shout out, I really can't hear a thing. That's my age. I can't hear what you're saying. So I just got nodded and go, yeah, that's good. You could have shouted anything at that point, and I wouldn't have known. Mount Horeb was also known as Mount Sinai. Same name, same place, known as different things. A bit like where I live. You could say it's in Dalton. You could say it's in Ascombe. It's in between. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. What do we know about Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai? Well, it was the place Moses saw the burning bush. The place where Moses saw and God spoke. It was the place where the Ten Commandments were given. That's the beginning of God's covenant relationship with Israel as that nation. I know Abraham had his covenant, but that was the beginning of the official covenant with, with Israel through the Ten Commandments. But it was also the place where Moses stood in a small cave and saw God's glory the back of God. He saw God's glory pass by as he stood in a small cave. There is some ambiguity, uh, this is a big word, there is some ambiguity in the translation of verse 9 in this chapter. Because verse 9 in some versions says, a cave. But many Hebrew scholars would translate it as, the cave. That's interesting, isn't it? Many people would say, he went into the cave. Which cave was that? Oh, possibly and probably the same cave that Moses stood in and saw God's glory. He went back to where it began. 
He went back to where God's promises he knew of. He went back to that place where he knew God's glory had been seen, where he knew God's promises had been made, where he knew God showed himself. Either way, Elijah goes on the road on his own, having been physically restored, emotionally dealt with, to the place where it all started. And God asked him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe you could say, he asked him the question, Elijah, why have you gone backwards? Why have you gone back there? You don't need to be there. I don't want you there. Why have you, why have you done that? Why have you gone back to that place? What are you doing here? Return and remember the reasons that first brought you to Jesus. Maybe that's what we need to do from time to time. In those moments of despair where we say, I've had enough, we need to go back to that day where we went, do you know what? I know that this is true. And I know that God is faithful. And I know that I can depend on him. For each of us, that's different. Maybe that's where Elijah was coming to. But we still need to move forwards. We need to step into all the things that God has. Because believe me, God has more in store. Elijah says, I've had enough. Well, God says, no, 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 no. If you go now, you're going to miss out. If you stop now, you're not going to see some pretty amazing things. If you say, this is it for me, whoa, you're going to miss out, Elijah. I don't want you to miss out, Elijah. So I'm going to let you sleep. I'm going to let you eat. And then you can get on with it and you'll go back and it will be amazing. So don't give up yet. Don't give up. The best is yet to come. And that's God's message. If Elijah's prayer to die was granted, he will miss out on so many things. If Elijah's prayer to give up and say, I've just had it up to here, and he, he would miss out on the blessing and the glory of God in his life. Do we want to miss out on the blessing and glory of God in our lives? No. So maybe we just need to pause. That's why God said, Sabbath, rest. That's why God said, sometimes stop. Be still and know that I am God. That is God's lesson to us. Especially he would miss out on the fact that he was taken to heaven in a fiery chariot and never actually died at all. Isn't that ironic? He didn't actually die at all. And we all sit there going, oh, I struggle with that. Do you know, God is God. He made this. God can do anything. So stop struggling with the things that are definitely of God and have seen and been seen just because it doesn't fit in with our human minds. Because if it's possible, it's not necessarily God. God expects us to do some things, but if it's possible, there's no need for God. God is the God of the impossible. God is the God of the amazing. God has big plans for Elijah, but Elijah was only thinking in that moment. He was thinking in the present, and he was only thinking of himself. That's the problem most of us have. When we think we've had enough, we're thinking in the moment, we're thinking in the present, and we're only thinking of self. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Why? In the light of his glory and his grace. That's what we need to fix our eyes on. But Elijah went back. Maybe he went back to something familiar. Maybe he went back to the comfortable Maybe you went back to a question to say, is it really worth it? Is it all real? Are those reasons why maybe you or me go backwards? Because it's more comfortable back there. Because it's more familiar back there. Because actually, I don't sure whether it's worth it anymore, or I'm not sure if it's real. And he goes back and God says, what are you doing here? Maybe this morning God is saying to you and me, what are you doing here? 
I don't mean in this church, but what are you doing here at this point in your life? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Where are your eyes fixed? Where are you really trusting? Are you trusting in the fact that you know about God or are you trusting in the fact that you know God? Are you trusting in God himself? Or are we expecting him to act on our plans? What's Elijah's response to that question? One, quick, one Kings, I can't, can't speak this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 10 says this. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Now I read that in a dramatic way. There's a reason why. I think Elijah's practiced this. I think he's been thinking this on his 40-day journey, and he's been thinking, about what am I going to say to God? Oh, I have been very zealous for the Lord, and your prophets have been put to death. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Oh, woe is me. Sometimes we rehearse excuses in our heads, and actually when we say them over and over again, they actually become real when they're not. We start believing our own rubbish. <laughs> and actually, Elijah make some big mistakes. What are you doing here? Are you going through the motions of life? Are you expecting God to do what you want him to instead of the other way around? Is that the answer to the question this morning? Maybe you're not thinking about the promises and provision he's already given you. Elijah replies and actually shows the self-central nature, the self-centered nature of his thoughts. I am the only one left. <laughs> I'm all alone. It's like the donkey from Shrek, I think it is, isn't it? I've been abandoned, even after everything I've done, God. I've been very zealous for you. Oh. I could I get into bar the bar amateur dramatics for this? Yeah, yeah, do you think so? If, if you fall ill, Alan, then let me know. Okay, I can do a good hermit. That's it. Uh, 40th of September, so I'm not going to sales pitch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alan's in a show, everybody. If you want to go and see it, see him afterwards. Even after everything I've done. Those watching on the screen, by the way, are thinking it's Alan Docker, Alan Durham, or Alan Scantle. They're thinking, Alan, Alan Docker's in a show? Wow, that's amazing. No, it's not Alan Docker, it's not Alan Durham, it's Alan Scantlebury. There you go. He's not in witness protection, so I can name him, it's okay. Even after I've done all those right things, God, even after I've taken those steps for you, I have been very zealous for you, God. I have done everything you've asked. I have done what's expected, and I'm the only one left. And now I'm going to die. So that's what Elijah's saying, okay? I can't believe him on my own. But having met his physical needs, his emotional needs, as he's been on the road, God now moves to the spiritual needs. God now moves to the truth, the truth of who he is and what he does. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 13, the Lord said, go out, stop hiding, stop hiding. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And again, in Hebrew, that can be translated as total silence. Total silence. 
When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, because he knew what had happened to Moses, and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He's waiting on God to speak. Maybe you're waiting on God to speak today and you're thinking, maybe this is it. No, it's not. Maybe this is it. No, it's not. Maybe this is it. No, it's not. Sometimes it is in the silence that God speaks. Sometimes it's in that loneliness. Sometimes it's in that place where we've not got any more to say or any more to happen and we just go, God, I just want to sit and be still. In that moment, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The same thing he's already said. Can you imagine us? We might be thinking, that's really disappointing. I've already heard you say that, God. I want another thing. Come on, God, what else are you saying to me? But God repeats the same question because he's saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you still hiding in this cave? Why are you still back where it started? Move forwards. Keep going where you need to go. And I am with you. You can trust me. Elijah stands ready to listen. But God doesn't speak how he expects, or even act how he expects. Not in the powerful displays that he's spoken of in the past, not in the thunder, not in the earthquake, not in the storm, but in the silence. How does the silence, how long does the silence go on for? We don't know. We don't know, but we know that Elijah realized in that moment that that was when he needed to come out. That's when God was going to speak. That's when he was ready to listen. When are you ready to listen? Church, when are you ready to listen? When am I ready to listen? In the seeming nothingness, Elijah recognized it as God. And God speaks and asks the same question again. Maybe God is asking you the same question over and over and over because he just wants you to answer honestly. He wants you to stop thinking of yourself. He wants you to stop thinking things that aren't true. Like I'm all on my own. I'm going to die. Maybe today God is asking you the same thing and we are refusing to really give in. Do you know, we're sometimes guilty, as I say, of trusting in the knowledge of God rather than actually trusting in him. We can trust in his faithfulness. We can trust in his promises. We can trust in his grace and mercy. We can trust that he has a desire to see us fruitful more than we have a desire to see us fruitful. We can trust that we can be filled by his spirit. So what is Elijah's reply to this repeated question? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah, nothing has changed. Your attitude is still on you. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe sometimes our attitude is still on us. Elijah answers word for word the same, trotting out an excuse. If someone says to you, how are you feeling? What's your usual response? All right, fine. Fine stands for feelings inside, not expressed, by the way. Fine. It's because probably they don't want to hear about your rheumatoid arthritis or anything else. They don't want to hear about those things, maybe. It's just a polite way of saying hello. 
So let's, if we're not interested in how people are, let's stop asking them how they are. Let's just say hello. But if we are interested in seeing how are they, let's sit down with them and say, how are you? And genuinely listen. Because that's what God does when we say it. I've had enough. How are you feeling? What have you been up to? Same old, same old. God wants us to be real and honest. Are we real and honest with God? And sometimes that honesty is hard to speak out, but God still wants to hear it. How does God respond to Elijah? Well, if we read on, you'll say, there's got to be a new king. There's got to be a new king. Don't give up yet. Things are going to change. There's got to be a new prophet. That's a bit of a worry for Elijah, who is the current prophet, isn't it? Someone's going to replace you. That's not exactly encouraging. However, it's not immediate. There is going to be someone after you. In other words, Elijah, you're not on your own, so stop believing you are. Because there's somebody coming after you. And it's not just Jezebel. There'll be a new king, there'll be a new prophet. And by the way, there's 7,000 others. You're not on your own, you're numpty. He doesn't quite say it like that. But that's the, that's the gist of it. Elijah, you are not on your own. There is 7,000. That's a pretty good number, isn't it? Wouldn't it be amazing if 7,000 people wanted to come to church every week in Barrow? Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Do you know, perhaps there are more than 7,000 who want to come to church in Barrow. They're waiting for us to get out of our caves and say, okay, God, I'm not on my own. They're waiting for us to go and say, actually, do you know what? I'm going to show you love. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to show you love. I'm going to show you Jesus. I'm going to take Jesus to you. Even if you feel like you're on your own, Elijah, there is me, says God, and 7,000 others, and there's going to be a prophet after you. You are not finished. You are not over. So go back and get back to what I've asked you to do. Can you see how God responds? Deals with the physical. He deals with the emotional. And then spiritually, he says, stop believing those lies. You're not on your own. Get back to it. Because there's people coming and I'm with you. And if I'm with you, nobody can stand against you. If I am with you, then nothing can stand. If I am with you and my promise is with you, then you can stand in that River Jordan and it can stop. You can dip in that River Jordan and be healed. If I am with you, you can do all things through me. So you are not on your own. But isn't it better when we gather together? Because actually, if we're on our own and God can be a force to be reckoned with then church and God all going together can be a force to be reckoned with. We are not alone. Even though you're under threat of death, I want you to now go from the furthest south part of the country, the furthest north part of the country. Even though someone's trying to kill you, God says, I want you to do that journey. It's got to be dangerous, but I'm with you. You're not going to die. Woo! He'd stop trusting in God. Even though I'm going to anoint someone to replace you, there is a solution, and it's in my time. God is with us. So what do we learn today as I finish? Elijah starts by wanting to die. Why? Because he's focused on the fear and the terror of life instead of on the faith and the fullness of God. He's focused on the fear and terror that life can bring. And God says, I've fed you. I've given you your physical needs. I've allowed you to sleep, and I've told you that you're not on your own. I've prepared you in the silence and in the solitude. I've shown you my presence. Now get back and do what I've asked. So Elijah went from there, from being desperate to doing, from being in sorrow to being servant-hearted. As we look at Elijah, we see he is never 
on his own. Never on his own. We see that God will provide and prepare and then make sure we wait for his presence before we step forwards to keep pressing into his promise. If you don't know Jesus this morning, the promise of Jesus is you can be saved. You can be forgiven. Why? Because Jesus died and took the punishment. Jesus took the sin, took the guilt, took the shame, and then he rose again, defeating it. Many of us sometimes think we can just do what we like and God will say sorry and then God will forgive. That's not true. He will. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but he wants us to love him. He's a good dad. He wants us to love him. He doesn't want us to treat him like something we come to as a, as a lucky mascot. But he's a person who loves us, who walks beside us, who's got the best for us, who's got plans ahead of us because he knows what's to come. He knows what's to come. He knows you and he knows and loves you and he knows what's next. So let me ask you the question as I finish. What are you doing here? I don't mean why are you at church, but in life, what are you doing here? On this planet, what are you doing here? Because God has big things in store for each one of us that say we're his children, for each one of us that trusts in him. So what are you doing here?